Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Kirschenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick a movie and pick. No shit, fuck. I, now I fucked it up. Now you, <laughs> Every, you each week we me. pick a movie and then shit fuck. <laughs> each week we pick a topic. Yo, we're in my bedroom. The bed's right there. We're about to shit fuck, baby. <laughs> it's not good. We are coming in hot today. <laughs> yeah, we had the rare pre lab <laughs> recording. Uh, each week we pick a topic. And talk about two movies that fit the topic. One of them is highbrow. One of them is lowbrow. This week, we're not doing that. This is our in-betweeny episode. It's the no-brow. The no-brow. We were just kind of chat, do some stuff, play some games. Uh, th- let's get right into it. This week, we're going to play a game. Would you like to play a game? Which we are... Uh, I sh- still have not seen Saw. Really? No. But th- how? I was a... Okay, so when it came out, I was a weak and fearful child, as I was for most okay, of my life. Okay, wait, wait. Skip, I got, I, that's interesting. We've got to skip ahead, because we <laughs> lived together yeah. in a house. Yeah, I and saw, the people, saw six with you guys, and it sucked, and I was upset not, about don't, it. Don't, don't you put the shit on me. I was not a part of this, but our room, one I, of our, two of our roommates and one of our friends who basically lived in our house watched every Saw movie in like three weeks. And somehow the only one I saw was Saw 6. And you guys were like, yeah, that one was pretty bad. I was like, yeah, this seems bad. You're like, but the other ones are good. I'm like, I'm not sure if I believe you based on this. Saw 1 is good. Saw 1 is a James Wan movie written by Lee Wano. It, it, Saw 1 is good. I mean, I don't believe you. <laughs> it is like, it's not even like, okay, it's scary, but it's, it's like a thriller more than like a horror movie. Like, I'm not like kept up at night by the fear that Jigsaw will come get me because it's just outlandish, but it is just like a good thrilling like Okay. Puzzle box of a movie, and also it's just like has like a lot of really Gonzo like James Wan film uh, uh, filmmaking and stuff. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of like whip pans and shit. Oh yeah, he's like right a lot. Yeah, and like a lot of uh, uh, like tilting the camera constantly mm-hmm. to like put you off. I mean, I I really enjoy that shit when it's warranted by the craziness of the story, which saw it is. Wait, do you mean tilting like Dutch angles or like tilting like? Just looking up. I mean, tilting like Dutch angles, but not like cutting to a Dutch angle, like the camera like spinning. What's the term for that? Uh, canted angles, I think, is like. The oh, oh, you're talking. Oh, you're talking about like when it happens in camera. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess you're right because it tilts up and down. It tilts up is left and, down. and right. Yeah. I don't know actually. Would it just the spinnies? It's a spin? They call it the spinnies. The corkscrew. The corkscrew. I mean, I, I don't like even that. know how to search online for what I want to know. <laughs> like, what is the thing when that James Wan does when you start off on a non-Dutch angle and you get all Dutch? <laughs> It's going Dutch. Yeah, it's going Dutch. <laughs> it sounds wrong. It sounds it a sounds little like either like some sex act or like something kind of racist. Because isn't that um um it's like splitting the check is like is like going Dutch on a... isn't that a thing? That sounds like a term. I'm afraid of googling it just in case it's a sex thing. <laughs> no, you know you want to. Uh, let's let's listeners, if you want to Google it and let us know. Why, why are you? What are you afraid of, Josh? It's an audio medium. They can't see what's on your computer. Okay, going Dutch. Meaning, click. Uh, it is to share the cost of something, especially a meal. It's like it's like a date term, like going oh, Dutch on a date. Yeah, yeah, specifically. Yeah. You just like you split the check. Oh, yes, the I think that, that you should be that. the default. Yeah, I know that term. I thought you were. I thought you meant that was a filmmaking term. Right. I have no idea what the filmmaking term is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What you're, I don't know how to search for what James Wan does. But anyway, Saw is good. What? Uh, what? Google. Hey Google. <laughs> what James Wan do? <laughs> how he do it? Uh, why are we talking about Saw? How do we get here? Oh, Google is responding to me yelling through the wall. 
<laughs> I think Google's telling us about James Wan right now. Oh, he's great. Good director. Very good director. Yeah. Uh, really ride for Malignant. If anyone, anyone out there hasn't seen it, I think you're it. the only one. I don't think I am. There's actually a, the, there there's are, a how this get made episode you should listen to. Uh, I did listen to it. It was great. Yeah, it was okay. awesome. Cool. I, I, they had my same take on that movie, Which and is that it's wild. <laughs> yeah, that the, the sheer joy they had recounting it was the joy I felt watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, w- oh, because I said we're going to play a game, and then you did a saw bit. Oh yeah, do you want wow, to tell that was the, so long ago. <laughs> do you want to tell the story about why you didn't watch Saw when you were a child? Oh, because I was a weak and fearful child. It's not. A, it's not really a story. I was just. <laughs> Didn't watch a lot of horror stuff because I got scared easily. I just wanted to circle back in case when there was more to it. When I was a little kid, I couldn't make it through <laughs> Mars Attacks, and my parents still roast me to it to this Mars day. Mars Attacks is scary as shit. Yeah, but it's also a comedy by Tim Burton, and I got really—I think I got scared in the scene when it was either the dog, on, the woman's head on the dog, yeah, or the guy getting like holding the hand that melts. That oh. was also scary. I mean, yeah. well, the thing about Mars Attacks, it was—it had so much like merch. Yeah. And it was built so much as like a kid's movie. Right. It was so much like it, everyone had the toys. It was so much as Tim Burton, you know, who did Batman. Mm-hmm. But it really is just like a bizarre and kind of gross and disturbing movie. And a lot of people really like that and have come back to it. I still am not. It doesn't really speak to me. I tried but, watching it recently. It's not great. I want it to be better than it is. I mean, it has one very funny joke, which is that they keep trying to make peace and just getting killed in increasingly silly ways. Yes, that was also the dove thing was really funny. Yes. I mean, I do enjoy I mean, a lot of good jokes on paper. Right, but like as a movie, I it it especially as a kid when you're coming in, you think it's gonna be like a fun romp for the kids, and then it's like I don't know, like Lisa Marie, like with like with the gum, like as the uh, not Lisa, what's her name, uh, the actress who was married to Tim Burton at the time. She plays the Martian disguised as a woman who like sneaks in while chewing the gum and like bites that guy's finger off. Right. Spoilers for Mars Attacks, I guess. I don't, I don't know. That don't, that's not gonna make any sense I don't think even when you watch it. Heard of it? Heard of it? Yep. Uh, so we are going to play a game. Yes. Uh, the game is uh, overrated and underrated, a, a game we are uh, inspired by Pitchfork. I actually don't know if they still do these videos, but they used to do those videos where they would... I just, don't, I've never even seen these videos. Oh, they, they would like do like like these like six, seven minute like video interviews with like musicians. And That's it would just fun. be like overrated, underrated with, you know, Mitski. And then it would be like, they would just say like, you know, cheese. And then they just have it. It was it generally pretty I like light. that. Yeah. So we're going to kind of like their version of vice do's and don'ts, which is like one of my favorite columns <laughs> right. ever. Exactly. So this is a little bit inspired by uh, our listener, silly Jilly 53. Thanks, uh, silly Jilly. Uh, who uh, commented on one of our, uh, not 52, not 54. No. Uh, commented on one of our posts about Citizen Kane that she thought that Citizen Kane was very un- overrated and tedious and, uh, I'm not here to rip on it on on you because I actually think it's a very common but take. I am. <laughs> I'm coming for you, silly. <laughs> well, you're talking. It's a very common take with Citizen Kane. Yeah, uh, and I, there's, that's going to happen. Like just because when you get oversaturated with like praise for something, yeah, it can't live up to it. Yeah, I mean it. Be- for various reasons, it became the default greatest movie of all time. Which is an insane thing. Because right. Because nothing should be really the, the default. Yeah. A, a Bill Gabiri wrote a very good essay, like uh, uh, tracing that journey for Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I mentioned on the Kane episode where basically just like the, the reaction at the time when it started to be rediscovered, when it started to like grow, then the why it how it ended up on the top of uh I think it was on top of Sight and Sound for a while, the yeah. the poll of greatest films, same with the a- AFI list was the one that like canonized it really. Mm-hmm. Uh it's actually on the um it a little booklet that came with the blue. Oh yeah, cuz AFI top 100 is actually in order. Yes, it's ranked. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. and Kane was number 1 when they did it the first time. That list just shouldn't be ranked. Right, yeah. That's a weird... I mean, it, it for in terms of, like, making a list of people want to talk about, it's a good idea, but in terms of, like, objectively talking about movies, it's not a good idea. When they, when they did the second list in 2007, 
I like paid for like a thirty dollar like membership for AFI and voted on it. Okay, I was like fifteen you or nerd. something. You nerd. Yeah, or sixteen. I don't know. I was I was not old enough to be a member of the AFI. Anyway, I think that was all just a scam, and I think they just sort of sat in a room and picked him because I remember the movie Intolerance came in at like in the forties or something. Yeah, Intolerance is D.W. Griffith's uh, like a silent film, mm-hmm. and it was very clear that they just wanted to put a D.W. Griffith on there to replace Birth of a Nation, which was on the first list, I think. right? Because yeah. Birth of a Nation is a horribly, horribly racist uh, and is uh, bad, and that's bad. You don't want that on the list of the best movies ever. No, uh, is it? Uh, oh, and then but like part of it is that like it. They invented like cross cutting or something. Uh, yeah. So there's or popularized cross cutting. Yeah, exactly. It was the, it was a very major moment for a lot of major film techniques to evolve, like coalesce into one thing. Mm-hmm. You can you can track a lot of those techniques like cross cutting. Like um, there are film scholars who can point at all the other ones that were innovated before that, but he put it together in a way that was very popularized. It I guess is yeah. the right term. Um, there's a really good Twitter uh, account, Movie Silently, that that does a lot of good like work on uh silent film in general and they've made the the case that a lot of that stuff pre-exists griffith uh and i agree with the birth of a nation beyond there but the fact that they just threw in this movie intolerance which i don't think most people would consider one of the greatest movies of all time <laughs> yeah it's probably just i think it's sign of some behind the scenes shenanigans yeah that checks out yeah anyway i've, I've been stewing on this since 2007 i just need to get that Got a lot going on there you, get, you want your 30 dollars back <laughs> I think give me a card. I actually do have the card. It's in my 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 parents' house in New York somewhere. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> uh, so Citizen Kane, yeah. overrated, underrated. Uh, I mean, I actually do think it's like it's weird. I think it's overrated by film people. I think it's underrated by normies. If you think it's the best movie of all time, un- right? If that's like the the rating, yeah, then it has to be overrated unless you think it's the best movie of all time, which nothing is. Right. I I would not rank it my personal number one. No, Even I, though think I, do adore I think it. there are flaws in it, as we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. Um, but one thing is that I do think that, like, people who aren't really... There's people who like to have the hot take of that it's overrated, but I think it's just because they're, like, don't like black and white movies, or they don't like old movies, and they kind of can't deal with, like, a slower movie. Yeah. So I think it's underrated by, like, that, those... It's this weird target, because, like, I think amongst film people... Overrated amongst like people who I I think people should have a higher tolerance for black and white movies from the forties. Right. It is. Yeah. I've had this thing where people would come up to me like, uh, especially after Mank came out. Yeah. Because Mank was a little bit of like, you know, part of the mythologizing of Citizen Kane is the greatest ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd have like friends who would come to me and be like, "Yeah, I tried watching Citizen Kane. Like, I just didn't get it. Why is it the best movie ever?" And like, well, if you don't watch old movies and you're just diving in with one, and like you haven't watched the movie before, you know. 2015 in a while yeah it, you know it's, it's like you wouldn't go back to the 40s and show them avengers endgame and expect them to even process what they're seeing yeah i mean it's also it's like in fine art abstract expressionism if you just showed a person a blank like a blank canvas or like a blue canvas and you're like this is a very important piece of art they'd be like why and you have to be like well it's like all the in context of all the other art it is <laughs> right and I, I do think and it's not like you have to do like decades of film scholar or scholaring to scholarship yeah. god to uh, enjoy Citizen Kane, but if you're not someone who will like open your mind to a black and white movie at all, and Citizen Kane's not going to be like the magic key, you got to like at least try, try to like meet it on like what it's doing. Yeah, watch um, um watch Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity's great. Yeah, or watch I don't know like just try just work backwards. Just be like, all right, start with like Roma. 
Like just a recent. Oh, black in terms of just black and white stuff. Right. Yeah. Do Clerks. Yeah. Sin City. Yeah. Sin City. Clerks. Raging Bull. <laughs> wait, wait. Clerks is Clerks is the next step from Sin City. I guess that kind of makes sense. I'm actually. going in reverse chronological order, one oh, per decade. Oh, oh, okay. Because I was thinking like, if we're doing like immersion therapy, what's like Sin City is like the most like cartoony, easiest to watch, most like a Marvel movie. Oh, you're okay. So and you would start Clerks, with that. Clerks is like more like a hangout. Like Clerks is closer to Breathless than, than Sin City is. So that does make sense. <laughs> Right, you just work backwards for movies that were chosen to be black and white for like artsy reasons. Yeah, yeah, maybe throw on like. Well, like, Cler- Clerks was not black and white for artsy. Right, it was because they couldn't afford <laughs> color film for poor reasons. Right, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, older movies are also not black and white for art reasons. Right, it's just because they didn't have color yet. Right, and then you have that run of like you know in the like the forties and fifties where like color existed, but it was like it was ex- cheaper, very expensive. Color was expensive. Yes, sorry, so, I meant yeah. Black right, so you you know so you have like. You know, like the early '60s were like Kill Mockingbirds in black and white, and yeah. like Doctor Strange loves in in black and white, and also like Lawrence of Arabia is very much in color. Yeah, um, yeah, color. I don't know what are we talking about. Is color? Oh, is color's, color over color? Color is overrated. I actually I, do think color is overrated. I think it's underrated. I think because right now in movies. Well, okay, 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 okay. We have to have like the two. Spe- there's like the normie spectrum and the film person spectrum. <laughs> okay, because there's two takes here. One is color over underrated in as an opposite to black and white, like color film at all. Yes. And the other take is color more. There should be more colorful movies because there's a yes. thing on that you see like a lot of movies are, like very grim, very like TV True. especially does not have a very complex color palette anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot. Um, uh, Emily St. James writes about this a lot. How like there should be more color on TV. Yeah, like in Fargo too. Yeah, Fargo season two, lots of orange. Very yeah, nice. <laughs> it's very strange. You know, it evokes uh, the seventies. You know, Yellow Jackets is a show I think does a really good yeah, job. Yellow Jackets is great. Yellow Jackets so fucking I good. I love that show. Um, so I think color a little underrated right now because people are expecting these kind of grim, very like samey looks to a lot of things. Okay, I agree with you there. Okay, but so, like stylization. Yes, stylization underrated. Yes. But the concept but, of color at all as as an opposite to black and white, yes, overrated. Yes, and then <laughs> black and white, making shit black and white for no reason, overrated by film people. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Because yeah, you have shit like uh, so like uh, when Parasite came out, there's this thing of like when it comes out on the Criterion Blu-ray, they're gonna have the black and white cut. Yeah. Like why? <laughs> well, yeah. I guess we could also do like one without sound. <laughs> like. <laughs> I think Who gives it, a shit? I think it comes back to this is a a, um, a deep cut, but Steven Soderbergh uh, re-edited, um, not even really re-edited, but he he did he put together a Raiders of the Lost Ark in black and white with just like Trent Reznor score underneath, and no dialogue. That, I mean, that kind of makes sense because Raiders comes from like forties movies. Yeah, and his point was like this should allow you to really only think about the shot selection and the mise en scene, mise en scene, whatever. Uh, he's on scene. To, and, to, and it was his way of saying, look how brilliant Steven Spielberg is in his just his shot choice. Like okay. in, in terms of no other like pieces of filmmaking. Yeah. That's in, an interesting experiment. Yeah. That doesn't mean if you just put a black and white filter on Parasite, it becomes better. Like Parasite no. was filmed in color and designed in color. Same with the, the Mad Max shiny and chrome version. Same yeah. shit. Overrated. It's like lit for color. It's just not lit. It's, it's lit differently. Yeah. It might be interesting to watch. Is again as a shot selection thing to just think about that if you're like doing that. Yeah, I mean it'd be interesting to watch like on mushrooms too, but it's not like the better person in the movie. Right. But the one thing I did hear Nightmare Alley, I heard has a very good black and white version because it was kinda it's all it's so 
grim and dark anyway, mm-hmm. and it was sort of designed to be, you know, it's based on a movie from the 40s, that that one actually kind of plays a little better. Okay. But uh, I can't judge. Uh, that movie's very long, uh, and I don't have time to watch it again. It I must d- be covered on the podcast. I, I did not see Nightmare Alley. So oh. maybe. What's it about? Is it about like a, is that a carnival deal? Yeah, yeah, it's a carnival thing. It's like so this- that versus Freaks? I guess, yeah, because it's not really like about carnival. It's like a guy joins a carnival and he learns this like, uh, like trick of like convincing people he's like mind reading. It's like you know, it's like a scam or whatever. Oh, and it sort of that's the doing that sort of gets him into trouble with various things. All right, with real magic. With well, with with people who think he's real and they they get a little intense about it. Oh, okay, this sounds fun. Yeah, good and yeah, a little long, but good movie. Right. I love, love Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Uh, so Citizen Kane. Uh, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> over and underrated. Right. Quantum it, rated. I think if it didn't have the uh, the title of best movie of all time, it would be underrated. Yes. Because people often talk to me and they say, like, they don't, they don't, it's not what doesn't speak to them. But right. uh, I do think it is, like, a really special movie. It is really fantastic. I think I've, I've seen it, like, six, seven times, something like that. Yeah. Really, the concept of calling something the best movie of all time is overrated. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Honestly, ranking movies is overrated. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I agree, but I love ranking movies. I know, I do too. It's very fun, but I think it's like, I don't know. You have to be like a smart about it. You have to just like be interested in the process of ranking. Yeah. As opposed to like thinking it's a definitive way of watching movies. You have to see them as tiers. You know, like if you see like a yeah. list of like the top one hundred movies of the eighties, yeah, and like a movie you thought was number two came in at number six. That's not something you should be upset about. Yeah. You know, if something you thought should be at number two is not on the list, you also shouldn't be upset about it, but you, you're you okay to feel something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the other problem is that, like, I, it came up in this thing and, uh, you know, Eater? Like the, yeah. So Eater, apparently Eater lists are uh, not ranked. Yeah, no, I know. They're, they're just like, it's they're just their a, maps. It's just yeah. a list. Yeah, it's just by geogra- geography, but then people get upset about it because just seeing something in an order makes you assume that it's ranked. Oh, that's so dumb. So they'll always think that like they're they're like very highly rated in the West Side restaurants or whatever because it's just like ranked by geography. Right. Yeah. They yeah. just they just do it so that you can scroll as you scroll through the list, the interactive map goes yeah. in like a recognizable like path. But it's just like seeing something at the top makes you innately assume that it is the best thing. God, that bothers me so much. Yeah. Especially because I really like those eater like the LA eater list. I I discover a lot of good restaurants through that. That's how I found most of my restaurants, like for dates and stuff. I will say I do think it leads me to often go to like new and buzzy restaurants versus like there's a lot of like classic good restaurants that aren't like insanely priced that I just like have trouble finding. Yeah, because they're you're right. Yeah, they're way and they get really obsessed with a handful of places. Yeah, like I think Hatchet Hall has been on every fucking map they've done in the last like two years. Yeah, they love which I've heard is very good though. Yeah, Hatchet Hall's good and they love ripping on Hatchet. Hatchet Hall's not the issue. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and they love like you know like Birdie G's and shit. Like like kind of like. Like new, like fancy, new kind of trendy stuff. But yeah. then there's like, I don't know, like Moose and Franks or whatever, which is like, I think supposed to be good. Like places like that, they're like institutions. That have been around for so long. But there's yeah. no point in writing about Moose and Franks because it's been around for 50 years. Right. Yeah. It just, you know, so like that's, I mean, it's still a very good thing of them to be. Do- it's, it's very helpful for finding those new buzzier places. Yeah. And I think if you are like a food person who has been to all the institution places, then you definitely, those lists are definitely more useful for you. But as like a lay person, me, who just needs like a good date spot? I sometimes it, it makes me like I'm like oh I for, I like forgot that there are other restaurants other than all these lists. Right. Yeah. There's there's a thing that isn't you know 
I don't know, fucking here's looking at you or the angler or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that hole aside will make no sense to anybody. <laughs> yeah, like just to- totally worthless for 90% of our listeners. Right. We're just talking about like restaurants in LA, but not even like a, a, a website that recommends restaurants. <laughs> You know, fuck it. That's Shout gotta, out to Eater. That's going to be my rack at the end of the episode. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Up to a rack. <laughs> Got it. Uh, and also funny because like, I feel like a lot of our friends are not even, who live in LA, are not really like go out and explore restaurant people. No. So like, even the, our, our close friends who listen, who are in LA, who could actually conceivably get value out of this they won't yeah yeah west side restaurant recommendations is like hey there's an audience of none it's just you and me are the audience for this right uh so that's citizen kane yeah uh, <laughs> that's what we think about citizen kane so that was the first item on our list uh so next one uh this is a tough one because i haven't seen it in a while but we should talk about it uh overrated underrated fight club oh oh okay well it's interesting because i think it's, fight club's great but yep. in the in the context of over versus underrated, man, Fight Club's also a weird one because it's like fucking people I don't like overrated. Right. Has it come back around? I feel like for a while it was overrated because it was so much like, you know, I'm 16 and just got into movies right. vibes. But now I feel like it's been so much. That's been the default for so long. I wonder if maybe it's a little underrated by film people who dismiss it because it's so bro in its fandom. I think, yeah. Like, is it just like a... Because I haven't seen it maybe since college. Uh, I, I saw it in high school. I watched a little bit in college. I've seen it more recently than, than that, but not in like the last five years. Yeah. Um, I think is I do think, interestingly, I'm not sure Fight Club has had a full backlash. Really? I don't know. Do you think so? Like... Because it is, it is kind of like a bro movie like that is adored by, you know, shitty 17-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a good movie, and it is critiquing those types of people. Yes, it still, and Fincher has only grown in stature since then. Obviously, he's like now like an old master, basically. Yeah, so I think like that has kind of like protected it a little bit against at least critical backlash. I think people who are like not film people who are, like don't care about like filmmaking, yeah, might still not like it just because of like the optics of it. Yeah, and I think even it's sort of interesting because like even the discovery of it as a good movie was in terms of backlash because it kind of flopped when it came out. It was like, yeah, it was like this whole like Brad Pitt, Fight Club, You Soap, whatever. And then it sort of became a cult classic. Yeah. So it's it's actually several cycles into backlash and unbacklash and rebacklash. Yeah. I get I don't know where it's at. Yeah, well it's hard to say how it's rated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's interesting. I would probably say a little underrated just because I I feel like people don't talk about it as much. Yeah, I think maybe underrated too because maybe it's on like the it's been it's on, the it's on like the now. downswing. Yeah. And I think it's probably there's probably more people who think of it as the the Brad Pitt use soap movie or just the broy 17-year-old movie than there are people who are still like responding to it. Like th- I think the smarks for Fincher are all in on Zodiac. Right. You know, or social network. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Fight Club even though it's like so big in the myth of his filmography has maybe fallen by the wayside. So I'm going with Full heart, clear eyes, underrated fight club. I think underrated too. I think also a function as a like, uh, it was very well liked by you know seventeen year olds and eighteen year olds when we were seventeen and eighteen, and they've all grown up and stopped caring. Right. Yeah. So I think as they have grown up, the new seventeen year olds have not found it. Right. Exactly. So like now is underrated. I wonder what the like entry level like film bro movies are because like fight club was like a, i think it's you know, all nolan shit i get but I, I bet drive is on there a little more recent maybe maybe i don't know I love drive yeah because like because even nolan might be a little old because like if you're 16 now you know you were born in like what like shit, late do you just 10? watch marvel shit 
Do people even like movies? This is like the almost old man I'm going to get. <laughs> I mean, I think film film kids still discover film movies. Yeah. Like there's still, you know, when I was getting into movies, there was Netflix like discs mm-hmm. and there were you could leave reviews and there were like it was Netflix critic and they're nef- like, they're on Netflix and IMDb forums. They're like people who would just recommend the movies you had to watch if you wanted to get into movies. Right. Yeah. It's basically what like f- video stores were before Netflix. Yeah. Where you had like a not like Blockbuster, you like the sm- the fucking Randall. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um. So I wonder what the ver- is this just are there just like like cinephile TikToks that are just like or are we are we that is it us <laughs> are we the ones we were waiting know. for I don't know if we're that because we watched Fifty First Dates <laughs> but we did watch Kane we did yeah and we talked about Breathless yeah <laughs> and uh, we don't have any fancy movies we're talking about now but weirdly we Kane and Scarface is like the two most highbrow. <laughs> movies we've done like the the movies that like together are the most high oh brow. yeah because even when we do something like brazil we'd follow it up with like idiocracy yeah like yeah. scarface is like lowbrow compared to kane right but it, it, highbrow compared to other things right yeah <laughs> at, at the very least just because it's brian de palma and, he, and it's it came out before like 2006 yeah um it's a fight club underrated yeah what's ne- the next one next one sam raimi's spider-man trilogy underrated i'm gonna go overrated love those movies they're so good <laughs> I also like them because they are from a time before all Marvel MCU bullshit. And I also like Sam Raimi a lot. Sam Raimi is really fucking weird. He's got a a very distinctive visual style that is very cartoony and works perfectly for a comic book movie. Mm -hmm. He is fun. He's campy. And you don't see superhero movies like that anymore because he understands they're fun. Yeah. I mean, I I like the movies, uh, except Spider-Man Three, I'm not as fond of, but I don't think that that's not a spicy take. It's no, really. I don't think Spider-Man Three is good. I don't think it's as bad as people made it out to be. I mean, I'm not saying it's good, <laughs> but I don't think it's like the worst movie ever made. I think there are discreet good parts of it. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, the the Sandman sequence is very good in yeah. where you he like forms. Um, Sam Raimi Spider. So I love Sam Raimi. Yeah, uh, as a director, I mean, he's so many movies I adore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, Evil Dead movies are great. Um, I think a simple plan is like really brilliant. Uh, drag me to hell. Okay. I'm, I'm just putting my credentials out there mm-hmm. because I, I the space Sam Raimi Spider Man's don't really speak to me. Like they're fine, they're fun. I think the, the the aesthetic is fun, the world is fun. It's definitely like very exciting. Yeah, and like a lot of iconic moments, especially in two. Yeah, I do also think I think Tobey Maguire is the best Peter Parker. I don't think he's the best Spider Man, but I think he's definitely the best Peter Parker. See, I think so much of my. Uh, um, I mean, in general, I'm not a Spider-Man guy. Just want to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. I was, he's not my. I guy. was a Spider-Man kid. He's not my superhero. So Superman's my guy, but in, but Spider-Man doesn't really rank the top ten for me. He just mm-hmm. doesn't. I'm not, I'm not trying to be it, controversial. It's fine, Josh. Just <laughs> it's just not my guy. We're we're friends here. Okay. Um, I just don't want to get a lot of shit because yeah. whenever I say anything bad about Spider-Man anywhere in the world, people yell at me, uh, except in this room apparently. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I'm going to yell at you. <laughs> uh, so like that, but I think so much it's just like I don't. I don't really respond to Toby as uh, as Peter Parker as much. Mm. I find him a little frustrating and a lot really as compelling. I, I mean, weirdly, the, the one movie that really made Spider-Man click for me was Enter the Spider-Verse, because that's a movie that is explicitly about why Spider-Man is a compelling story to so many people, like Got why it. he means so much to so many people. Yeah. But I feel like sp- oh, so many other Spider-Man things I watch in general just kind of assume that, and I just I, I've never made the the leap mm-hmm. i've never gotten that just emotionally invested but i do really like this the sam raimi spider-mans i think they're fun i think they're a good throwback to when there was a little more personality in a lot yeah. of these big budget uh movies yeah for sure i i think that like okay the reason why i think tom mcguire is such a good peter parker is i think like peter parker is a 
like nerd outcast. Yeah. He's not cool. Right. And the whole thing is that as when he puts on the costume, he gets to be cool. He gets to be confident, but he needs the costume to do it. Yeah. And Tobey Maguire is kind of awkward. He's not like hunky. He is a just feels. I mean, he's probably old. He's definitely older than a high school kid, but he feels like a realistic <laughs> high school kid. And yeah. he is just like legitimately awkward and kind of weird. And yeah. I like seeing that because I feel like a lot of the other Spider-Man, they're kind of too cool because they have to be cool because it's a modern, you know. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's really quippy. It's, it's where we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. In those movies, I that that kid's a, that kid's a nerd, and he's having trouble, and I buy it, and I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you you're probably the uh, the more correct take here, uh, or the more the more beloved take here. But um, yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's a bad take. It's just more that I I I don't know. Like when when in in No Way Home, the new one, mm-hmm. like Tobey Maguire walked through the portal, and there's like, oh, he's in this movie. I was like, yeah, right. But like a lot of people, these movies mean so much to. Like, yeah. I listened to the um, the Blank Check series. They did a Raimi series, and mm-hmm. them they're like Spider Man Two episode was just them like basically like on the verge of tears, like it's so <laughs> like emotionally like invested in how much that movie meant to them as Spider Man people, and like what it, how well it did the Spider Man stories and how good it was. And yeah. like, I mean, I think all the Doc Ock sequences are incredible. Oh, the yeah. action I mean, sequences are like the train sequence is one of the great action scenes of that decade. Yeah, it's great. Um. But I like need, I, I don't watch like, those again because I always remembered liking one better than two, but just because I like origin stories. Yeah. Although now I've come around and I don't like origin stories because you see too them many. so often. Too many. But I think empirically, outside of the context of them being overdone a lot, I like an origin story. Yeah. So one, I like always liked one better than two, which was my hot take. But I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Uh, so that's us on Spider Man. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, and here's one we've we've hinted at, but I don't think we've ever gone all in on. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. The TV show. Underrated, weirdly. Really? Uh, yeah, because people oh, hate I see it what now. You mean. <laughs> yeah, okay, I see where you're going. I, I, do, uh, do go on. Okay, I would say, oh, well, okay, this is a weird thing. Oh, shit, again, they're all both over and underrated. Because I'd say seasons four through six, how many seasons were there? There were eight. Yeah, seasons like four through six are overrated. Oh right, okay, okay. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, because the first three seasons are, two or three seasons are great, and then it's like pretty bad for like three seasons. But everybody was still super into it, and I was frustrated by it. And then the last two seasons are like everybody agrees are bad, but I think everyone thought they were worse than they actually were. Everyone was like complaining, like it was like this great fall from grace. I'm like, this show has been steadily declining for like five years at this point. What are we all talking about? <laughs> Um, so everyone's like, oh my god, where it came out of nowhere, like it just like fucking sucks in season like seven. I'm like, no, it sucked for so long before that. You guys just only noticed it then. Yeah, okay, so that's why I'm gonna go with a pretty uh, uh clear hearted overrated for that reason. For that exact reason. In that, you know, okay, so my my thing in Game of Thrones, I think first four seasons are good. Okay. Not just good, but great, great TV. Yeah, Cla- classic TV. I'd say season one and two are some of the best seasons of TV. Okay. Up there. Well, it's tough for me because I was a book reader first and I was literally like, I would like finish the books. I started the books like in college as the show was coming out. So I'd be like, I'd finish like Clash of Kings and then like watch season two. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's probably not the best way to watch. So like, I really wasn't like watching week to week until later. Yeah. One, uh, day, one day we should do our like ranking of like best seasons of TV. Yeah, I'd be down. Like discrete seasons outside of like not the whole show. I think we'll have somewhat similar. Lists. I think it'll be almost <laughs> the same. But I think season one of Game of Thrones belongs on one of those lists. That's great. Yeah. Um, right. So then, like, I think five is where it starts to 
to slip a little bit for me. I think it's when they stopped. They started really building the arcs of the show around getting big moments late. Yes. So the show, so the pacing started to get all wonky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I mean, there's still great episodes throughout. I mean, I think season, the season six finale, uh, uh, spoilers for season six of Game of Thrones, where Cersei like blows up the sept. What is fantastic? That's like one of the best episodes they've done. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, and then obviously everyone like hates the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a little overrated just because I think. You know, there's a big chunk in the middle there that people like, yeah, you're right. It, it, I have the exact same take, basically, that like people act like it was just this incredible, perfect show until season eight. And they all just kind of shat the bed for no reason. Yeah. Uh, whereas it, really, I think it's just a show that started off really strong. There's a gradual leak in the bed. Right. It's a it's a it is a all all things considered. It's a good show. Yeah. And I like it a lot. And there's a lot of great stuff in there. I don't. But I do think that the the myth of it as the perfect greatest show ever that only is bad because the end is not accurate to what I saw. Yeah. And then by but then at the same token in the same token, I think people because they don't like the last two seasons totally discount the value of the first two seasons, which is I think insane because I'm like season one and two of Game of Thrones are still really good TV. Like we shouldn't forget that. Yeah. It, but it's hard. Sorry, sorry, I think I cut you up. Where are you going? Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, I feel like it's, like, really, like, tarnished. It's, like, great, rep- the reputation of this, like, really good show for two seasons. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it's weird. It's I, I do get it. Because, like, when, you know, so much of the shows for people is, like, the journey you're being taken on. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things of, like, you know, you care about the characters because you want to see where they end up. And you if knowing that they don't end up anywhere, in a lot of people's mind, yeah, can be a little bit, you know, frustrating. It's, like... uh I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. But I, I can't, Lost. Yeah, that's. I mean, I haven't seen Lost, so I can't judge. But I know there's some people who think the way about that. Yeah, I guess I'm the worst because I'm like a real. I'm like very smarky with TV. Where like I don't really care. I mean, I do like it on like I, I watch a lot of it on like kind of a meta level. Where I'm like, oh, this is like cool writing what they're doing. Yeah. So I kind of. I guess I kind of get like divorced from how people actually like to watch TV sometimes. Next, how about uh. Fucking <laughs> Josh is going out of order now, and he's struggling. Right, so we had For a the list. audience. So we had, we, we had a list. It was like four movies, six TV shows, three actors, three directors, and like a bunch of just film techniques. And yeah. I realized, well, we, we're probably not going to get to all of them if we just go in order. We'll, we'll we won't get to some of the other categories. So I'm trying to jump around a little bit. All right. Uh, so let's do another TV show. How about the TV show Sex in the City? Um. Well, I don't. I guess. I'm less of a Sex and the City fan than you, as you, than you are. Yeah. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen a good amount of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it rated? I would say it is... Um, I would say it is very underrated right now. There's there is some backlash to it. There's been backlash since the 90s. Yeah. Um, Center around what exactly? It's all very complicated. Well, it's not. Okay. So there's, like, there's general misogyny at play, which is that people see a show about like girls having fun in the city, and they're like, well, that has to be bad. And there's oh, a lot of misogyny on the part of the audience. Yes. There's okay. a lot of people who are like, oh, like this is obviously this dumb flipping show about people who just care about shopping and are just shitty. Yes, and which it is sometimes. But but yeah. I mean, my, my take, the thing I always say is that the the Sex and the City movies are what people who have never watched Sex and the City think Sex and the City is. This is how I feel about Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> XXL is what people thought Magic Mike was gonna be. <laughs> Like when people saw the trailer for Magic Mike, they were expecting XXL, and mm-hmm. then when they saw Magic Mike, they're like, "What's this? This is like a real movie." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's some stuff that hasn't aged very well in Sex and the City. I think the one people often go to there's an episode where uh, 
uh, Carrie is dating someone, a man who's bi. Right. And it ends with her just thinking like, oh, he's basically, he's just gay. Yeah. Um, and that's bad. That is, that's biphobic. Yeah, it's like that's, Sam has some line about how like being bi is like a stop on the way to being gay. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. That's And we yeah. can we can unabashedly condemn that. Yeah. Um, um, I think 90s TV across the board had real a rough. lot of trouble with any LGBT issue and especially trans issues did had absolutely no idea how to deal with it and oh, yeah. it often came out pretty off. There's some Friends episodes that aren't great. Right. Uh, I also think that, you know, Sex and the City's stature has probably taken another hit because the, the sequel series that's out right now and just like that. Oh, uh, yeah. And it didn't help that What's His Nuts got canceled. Oh, Chris Noth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he was a pretty bad dude. Yep. Uh, also, uh, well, the weirdly didn't matter because spoilers for that show. Uh, he dies. Yeah. <laughs> in episode one. Yeah. The whole thing is about him dying. <laughs> yeah. It's like a whole fucking thing. And that wasn't a response to him getting canceled, was it? No. That, was, got... that was like part of the, That was originally the show. No, the canceling happened after because, um, yeah. So, so he died on the show. Yeah. On a Peloton. Yes, and then right, <laughs> Peloton got like mad about it, right? Well, they saw an opportunity. They were like, so they 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 uh, teamed up with Ryan Reynolds, who like owns this like advertising company, and they did very quickly pumped out this ad where he's like alive, right? And, like it, it's and it's like a Peloton ad. It's mm-hmm. like riffing on Peloton has some weird ads. Remember the one with like the woman who's like scared to go on a Peloton, right? Yeah, or her like husband's like, man, you need to fucking work out. Here's a Peloton. She's like scared about it. Yeah, she. He, oh my god. Yeah, he <laughs> gets her a Peloton like, for Christmas. And the the, the, the it, as written. Supposed to be gets her belt on for Christmas. She's like thanked, and then it's like her filming videos of her like waking up every morning and like trying to get in shape and like yeah. oh, I can't believe I'm doing it. And then he shows she shows him the video of her doing it. Right. Uh, the problem is she looks scared all the time, <laughs> yeah. and she's already in like the big. She's like a model, so like the beginning of the commercial, she's like dangerously skinny, and at the end of the commercial, she is dangerously skinny and like there's no like, i don't know if she's dangerous I would you, okay dangerously I'm, she, I'm, she looks like a thin she's a thin person she's yeah, a good looking person. I, I i am i am exaggerating for comedic effect <laughs> yeah but yeah she's very she's very thin and not someone you need to like gift a peloton to like get in shape and so like man workout equipment is a tough gift because that, that can easily cut like you come right. off as like yeah i think you need to kind of work on yourself like that commercial could work if it was someone who was just like like I don't know, someone who was just like middle aged and was like unhealthily, uh, oh, like someone well, who but, needed to do, like lose some weight for health like, reasons. But then it feels like a shitty Christmas gift, right? Yeah. Then it should be like, hey, like I care about your health. It Let's work on this a, together. It start with an intervention, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. It should start with like a, a, a grown up conversation between adults about. Uh, I don't think this is a good commercial. Josh. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Um. So anyway, so then that Peloton commercial with Chris Knott came out, and then everyone was sort of like memeing Chris Knott about how much they loved him and big, and then like the people he had hurt and assaulted were like came out yeah and went to the, the press and like can we not celebrate this guy please he's awful yeah uh and he was rightly uh, uh dismissed yeah. from the culture yeah uh so sex and the rode city. that peloton straight to hell <laughs> <laughs> at least that is my recollection of the timeline if, if it is not correct i i, I think if it's not uh, correct don't at me no don't i think i got the important stuff right which is that chris Knopf is a huge piece of shit and we got rid of him yeah i hope that's right right that's the that title that's the title of the episode, episode. <laughs> chris Knopf is a huge piece of shit and we got rid of him <laughs> we right well, here you, you and me right now we're doing the work baby <laughs> <laughs> um so i think sex and city regardless of whether your hate comes from the misogyny standpoint from the it's problematic standpoint or just <laughs> in general or like oh we're, we're like we're past this yeah regardless of why you hate it you're wrong you're wrong <laughs> yes i think it is extraordinarily underrated i yeah. think uh 
Emily Nussbaum, you know, the TV critic for The New Yorker, yes. wrote an incredible article years ago, like basically arguing that Carrie Bradshaw was the first female antihero. That mm. like, she's like the um, the female version of like a Tony Soprano, mm-hmm. like a character who is not meant to always be a hero or heroic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's largely right. I find yeah. Carrie very frustrating, but very interesting. She also dresses like an insane person right. who got dressed in the dark <laughs> in a warehouse. <laughs> Of like in like a costumes warehouse. Yeah. Okay. To be clear, the thing you know the the criticism of Sex and City is all about just like vap, vap, vapidity and fashion. Yeah. If it, that were true, then she would look a lot better. <laughs> and also, it there is a lot of crazy New York fashion and like silliness and like flippancy in the show, but it's all fun and the, at its core, it is a very smart show, very well written about a lot of like very grown up issues yeah. uh, and about female friendship mm-hmm. and it's hilarious and yeah. brilliant and it's like one of the great tv shows mm-hmm. uh and it we like as a culture it was so groundbreaking and it also holds holds up better than the it doesn't hold up at all people think yeah uh do you I, think you're more of a samantha uh no i'll be honest when i watched it as a kid so it, it ran on tbs yeah. in like an edited version in like middle school that's when i watched the whole series wait which one's samantha Samantha is uh, Kim Cattrall. Oh wait, no, you're not a Samantha. I'm, I obviously I am. No, not I'm Samantha. thinking of, who's the brunette one. Wait, uh, they're that all is Charlotte. Yeah, you're 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 fucking Charlotte. I am not. Yeah, I am a, I am a Miranda. <laughs> I have always thought I was a Miranda. Oh okay. Yeah. Because mm. she was the one who was just stressed out and nervous all the time. Yeah, you know, you are a Miranda. <laughs> this I is like, like me revealing like I haven't seen the show in a while. Yeah, you're. A Miranda. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm more, of a, I'm more of a Samantha. <laughs> yes, you are more Samantha. <laughs> you might be a Carrie. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh God. I mean, I am wearing like. A Red Wings jersey and short shorts and socks right now. So, in that in that respect, I am. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that Carrie would just like casually wear the opening of an episode. You'd be like, "Wait, what the fuck? Is <laughs> Why? Why does she have a tutu on?" And they would never follow up on it again. Yeah. Um, although, okay, apparently the tutu was for a photo shoot. Oh, is that in an episode? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I remember correctly, she's wearing the tutu for the photo shoot for the bus ad about yeah. her column. And right, she's like walking home, and she like runs out of money, I believe. And then the bus does go by her with her in the tutu, right? Yes, yeah. If wait, I re- which wait, how does that make sense? I think at the time, I think my time, my my time might be off, but if I remember correctly, <laughs> the tutu was she doesn't just wear the tutu out; it's right. for the photo shoot, right? But the, but I think at least in the opener, doesn't the bus go by with an ad of her wearing the same outfit? Yes. <laughs> okay, so that means that they printed <laughs> and distributed this bus ad while she was walking home. I think the opening credits are meant to be metaphorical. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it is any depiction of a real thing that happened. Just, I mean, like, that was a crazy ass turnaround from that. Like, good job, ad agency. Yeah. <laughs> or she just like hung out, like you know. Or did she like? Think- oh, she's just a crazy person been wearing a tutu for two months. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's my technically take. Incredibly underrated. Yeah. Um. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's tough because I haven't seen all of Sex and City. I, yeah, I agree. It's it's a really good show. It's very funny, everything I've seen of it. Yeah. Uh, cool. So let's move on to our next category, mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. I overrated. Oh, all of them. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Can't I wait till we can replace those fuckers with robots. <laughs> uh, I'm just like looking at mid-journey and like, wait till you can fucking do faces, you little bitch. <laughs> Uh, so uh, let's start with one that I know it's going to be a hot take. Uh, uh-huh. One, Mr. Ryan Reynolds. Overrated. Overrated. He's not. I don't find him very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very likable, but like I don't like Deadpool. I think Deadpool's super fuck, super annoying. And um, I don't know. He's just he's like he's very saturated. It's very kind of like you know sophomoric juvenile humor that he tends to do. I, even though I, I know he doesn't write Deadpool, but he, he did have a writing credit on Deadpool too. Oh, well, I mean, Deadpool 2 had one good joke. 
which was when he was wearing a jersey that said trainee, which was had nothing to do with Ryan Reynolds. That was all the costumes department. Uh, I so I like Deadpool one. It was not as as big a fan of Deadpool two. Yeah, uh, I I agree that Ryan Reynolds is overrated, but not because of anything bad about him. I actually think he's he's very funny in a lot of ways and I in, in a lot of things. Not in every single thing he's ever done ever. Yeah, it's like I guess people write around him. I think it's like. I think he's just so oversaturated. Yeah. And I, and so much of his persona is look at how charming I am. Yeah. Uh, which makes it hard to not be overrated. If you're in everything and your whole thing is look how charming he I am. He is the Citizen Kane of of men. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> of bubble of, of pro humor. Yeah, I mean, I think like like Free Guy. Free Guy's a movie I liked a lot. It was a lot of fun. Free Guy's okay. Uh, he's very funny in it. I think it's kind of sweet. I mean, it's <sighs> he's just like doing his fucking Ryan Reynolds thing though. Yeah, like, but he I just lo- goes. He's just on autopilot in every movie he's in. So he that, just like does his shit. So that's the thing. I like his Ryan Reynolds bit. I think it's fun. But like when he's but like when I every time I turn on YouTube, I get an ad for with him just explaining stuff and doing the Ryan Reynolds bit. It's hard not to get a little uh, uh, worn out. Yeah. Even though I, I mean. He's doing Deadpool three, and he's got you Jackman back, and think that could be fun. Yeah, uh, and he's—I think there's still project of his that he's doing that I think will be really great, and I enjoy watching. But I think it's like part of it is that like his his whole bit is being like really tryhardy. Yeah, and I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I don't like it. It works when the joke's a little bit on him. I think like yes. waiting is one of. I think he is so funny in waiting. Because Waiting is a weird movie. I love that movie. I think it's so funny. But the joke is like he's this sort of like incredibly full of himself. I'm the lord of this world guy, but he's just a waiter at like shenanigans. And everyone does and he people do at key moments like rip on him for that. Yeah, and it is really wild when he and Dane Cook go head to head Godzilla versus Mothra style for who can be the biggest <laughs> douche in the world. But like the show knows he's a douche and yes. the, or the movie. And the, and that's like sort of the point. Yes. And like even Deadpool One, I think he's very obviously he's very like look at me i'm so cool Mm -hmm. but also like he gets shit on a lot in that movie and that's kind of fun and like the movie kind of acknowledged he gets on people's nerves and that's fun yeah it's yeah i I feel maybe a lot of it's just like i don't find deadpool very funny i just don't love the writing of it so like maybe it's not ryan reynolds's fault yeah uh i think i think i like van wilder maybe van wilder's good yeah i haven't seen in a while i I actually i'll be honest i have not seen it since like middle school it may or may not be van wilde it's been van wilde it's been a van wilde uh yeah so a very, a very soft overrated for me, and not because I don't like the guy. I think he's he's great. I just think I'm I'm tired of seeing those ads for Mint. Yeah, for Mint Mobile. I always thought it was Mint Mobile at first because he was Canadian. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like 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 Mitts. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ryan Reynolds, soft overrated. Like the guy. Yeah. Next actor. Um. Well, we got The Rock. We got Clooney. Who you want to talk about? R- rock. Let's talk about The Rock. Because I'm I'm just realizing now I don't. How is Clooney rated? I know he's been kind of he's, he's kind of just there. He no, he I think he's great. Yeah, there was definitely a moment where he was like the mo- the Ryan Reynolds zone, like basically smart man Ryan Reynolds was just the most likable, charming dude. But I don't know if he was overrated at the time. I think he might have just been the most likable man in America. Because he, he also isn't like he's in comedies, but he's not like a comedian, right? When he's like, in which comedy, neither is Ryan Reynolds. But like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is like very over the top. Like I. Am the funny guy in movies, yes. and George Clooney is in funny movies, but he is kind of just like wry and handsome and likable. Or he's like very over the top and goofy and silly, like he's like uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, oh, or like yeah. Leatherheads or something. Yeah. Um, which so yeah, we don't again because Clooney's been away a while. You know, he's sort of been off in the corner doing his thing, doing yeah. his movies, doing his shows. You know, it's not like he's coming out like everyone worship me. I'm doing George Clooney. Tequila. 
Yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Once you make three hundred and fifty million dollars on a tequila sale, like, which can, the Rock is also doing, right? Yeah, everyone. It's the it's the big thing of all these actors getting into. I mean, Ryan Reynolds did with Aviation Gin, right? Right. He's like a part of that. He has like an ownership stake or something. What's like the next final frontier of like celebrity cash in? I mean, products. I'm, I've known NFTs were obviously one for a while, but I think that that's feels like that market has. But that's like not really like a real product. Not. I think it's like I this outside of like whether you think NFTs are like good or not i actually was more pro than i think many people than yeah. a lot of people but i think like also if you were to say like investing in art was your cash in that would not be a very good cash in other no. than as like a legit investment but like if you're going to do like some sort of like kind of company that cashes in on your fame i mean the beverages are a good one yeah i mean was it 50 cent did vitamin water although he wasn't like really that wasn't he wasn't like the face of vitamin water he just invested in it yeah i mean dre did beats obviously it's a big one and 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 clothing in general is a big thing i mean a lot of uh yeah. A lot of actresses will have like clothing lines or or makeup lines. Things. I mean, you think there'd be more energy drinks? More, I don't know. But like, but how many things are there? What if what if you just like came out with like a new fruit? <laughs> like a new fruit? Yeah, you like you like use you like pour in like a bunch of money to like genetically engineer like a pineapple and a coconut together, and then that is like a like you know Ryan Reynolds nut. <laughs> you would call it like a Reynolds nut or something. That yeah, would be, that'd be very on brand for him. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. like, you want to taste my nut? <laughs> I guess realistically, it would have to be something like new, because I at this point everyone's on everything, you know. Yeah, I mean, food like historically beverages are the easiest. Yeah, meals you don't. I mean, I know there's like, uh, like I'm, I think like Mark Wahlberg has like like protein shake like stuff. I know he like invests in that yeah. kind of thing. So I mean, like, like Joe Rogan has all the on it shit, right? So I guess like for certain celebrities, especially like. You know, you like like workout plans. Like apparently, like Chris Hemsworth has like a workout app. That makes sense. Which I mean, it's if, very jacked. You, you might as well if you're gonna get that jacked, you might as well monetize it. Yeah, and another other than getting paid millions. You open the app, it just says like hire a personal trainer. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Actually, I'll just move on to the to Spielberg because I think that'll be fun. Oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> all, right, all right. Yeah. Fuck you, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about there's a little bit of clean talk, a little bit of other talk. And I want yeah, to get to. We've talked everything. about the Rock before. Yeah, yeah, we've been recording for a while to make sure we get everything. Steven Spielberg, underrated, overrated, overrated. Go. Ooh, spicy. I don't think he has much to say as a filmmaker, other than in his like extreme prestige stuff, which like gets into the point where it's just like you know trying to be fancy for the sake of being fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good. I think his movies are like all very, all uniformly very well made. Well, not uniform. There's a couple stinkers in there, but not many. Uh, but like, I don't know, my hot take is like Jurassic Park is a movie about fucking nothing. It's like, it's the movie, the question that the movie hopes to solve is what if there was a di- theme park with dinosaurs and that's it. There's yeah. no like greater meaning. Like there's a life finds a way shit, but like not really. That's, that's just not some, really a theme. That's just sort of like a, a thing they a say. Warning. Yeah. yeah. They just say like, oh, you can't mess with these dinosaurs because they're going to do what the rest of this movie's about. Yeah. I mean, I think putting aside the underrated overrated question for a second, I do think like spe- it is interesting that Spielberg's most beloved movies are the ones that are not as much about things. Yeah. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think is like a perfect movie. I love that movie. But as we talked about earlier, like I don't think it's there's not like about a, anything. Yeah, there's not like a really a theme. There this belongs in a museum, although he doesn't really do that. Like, right. It's just sort of a perfect adventure with yes. it, some of the best action set pieces ever. It's like it's like a um it's like those like cars that companies build just to show that they can, but they aren't really like functional. Yes. <laughs> um that's not the perfect analogy. Anyway. It, I think some, and and Jurassic Park is like that. I think it's like a perfect action thriller. I think yeah. it's some of the most like incredible like like uh, sequences ever. Well, yeah, we, I mean, yeah, like it's like kind of like a, like a special effects powerhouse. Like it's like a special effects demo. 
that's like also fun to watch. Yeah, but also I think that the 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 set pieces like like there's stuff like you know the 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 Jurassic the Jurassic the, the Jurassic Park the Jurassic Park the T Rex scene yes that obviously is a big special effects demo but also like just the the shot selection the build up with like the water and the zooming in and, and it yes. and the and the hand on the like all of that is really good uh like perfect filmmaking not beyond even without that much that shit you could have done in like 1930s yes yeah and like that just shows how much of a of a talent he is he is technically one of the best filmmakers ever yeah I just think in terms of like like the actual like themes and story and meaning is <laughs> they're often kind of just like empty husks that are beautiful. So that's the thing is that like, I think, so you have those ones that we both, that are beloved. Yeah. You know, your, your, your Jurassic parks and your, and your Raiders and stuff, which yeah. are just fun. And then you have the super extreme prestige, which yeah. is stuff like Schindler's, Schindler's list, which I haven't seen and uh, saving private Ryan, which I think is incredible. Saving private Ryan's good. Uh, and then you have movies that are like, Sort of tween like like Jaws. There's not like as much of an arc, but I do find the movie like dramatically interesting. Like the fear that like it's a horror movie. Like the them like sort of slowly getting more and more scared of the shark. Like them trying to like figure like it, it's emotionally involving. I, I will also. I think yeah. I also actually think I love I love Jaws. Jaws is great, but I think it is kind of like Jurassic Park, where like the theme of the movie is what if there was a big ass shark. Like that's really it. It doesn't. There's like some stuff about kind of like commercialism killing people because it's like they won't close the town because they I, need to make money for the holidays. Yeah. But like really light. I think the emotional drama is very strong of like Brody just like struggling to like keep people safe and basically like unable to. And yeah. all the stuff with Robert Shaw's character is kind of is very interesting. There's a little bit about like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. with uh, Quint. Yeah. Uh, then you have stuff like I think Minority Report is is brilliant. I think, and that actually has like a lot of themes going on. In addition to being like a really like fucking rip roaring action movie, I do like. I also I forget how many goddamn movies. Eat a lot. I mean, I think War of the Worlds is really good. I think I, that's a hot take because I don't think people like it. I think that that's because the it, it really fumbles the ending, like mm-hmm. not and not the classic ending, but more that everyone is actually alive in the end. Yeah, is really bo- is a kind of a bummer. Yeah, but uh, the first like forty five minutes of that movie are like absolutely brilliant. I mm-hmm. think, um, and actually really like. Very good post 9-11 filmmaking. Like yeah. it really like kind of reminds you of that sort of like confusion and fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his run of movie, like I think Bridge of Spies and Lincoln are both incredible. I think those are really smart movies that have a lot of themes going on, are really good about politics and rhetoric and things like that. Yeah. Um I'm, so I'm not I'm trying not to like go through his entire filmography movie by movie. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, maybe I just think Jurassic Park's overrated. <laughs> it well, I it's the it's the weird thing that he the, there's there, like two filmmakers in there. That's the problem. Right. So there's the the just crazy fun popcorn stuff. Yeah. And then you have the extreme prestige. Yeah. Uh, but then you have a lot of just kind of cool, interesting movies in there mm-hmm. that are just like are kind of harder to find, but are not really the ones that define Spielberg. Like, I think he's weirdly like AI. Yeah. I, I haven't seen AI, but a lot of people really ride for that movie. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, I haven't seen like Color Purple, another one that I think people have kind of sort of come back to over the years. Oh yeah. Um. So I don't. It's hard to judge Spielberg. Uh, it's because I think the Spielberg of people's minds of the guy who only does Jurassic Park or Schindler's List is probably overrated. Yeah, I think the actual filmography of Spielberg is kind of fun and messy and interesting in ways. So yeah. I think he's okay, often underrated among certain film people. Um, <laughs> the answer to all of these is, is overrated, is overrated, by, overrated, overrated <laughs> by some, underrated by others. <laughs> right, right. It, it, yeah. Well, that's the like in popular, like by the layman, maybe overrated. Yeah. Who just say, oh, yeah, he's the best filmmaker ever. But, like, by the film people, perhaps under it. It's funny because this is, like, kind of a core problem of our podcast premise is that we have – it's the highbrow and the lowbrow. Yeah. Because I feel like if this was just, like, I don't know, an AV club 
if it's like on the AV Club podcast, they can just be like, oh, yeah, it's underrated because they're just talking about other film people. Yeah. And if it was like just like a regular, like, whatever, they like, talking about Marvel movie bro podcast, you just talk, <laughs> we're just talking to the normies. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to try to talk to both people. Yeah. <laughs> so everything's quantum. All right. If I have to pick what side, I, ha- I think I have to go with overrated for Spielberg. Not be- And again, I think he's like top two greatest living American filmmaker. Like he's such an incredible filmmaker. I, lo- I mean, like I said, I love Bridge of Spies, Lincoln and uh, West Side Story of his most more recent stuff. Mm-hmm. I think like, every decade he's got a fucking classic in there. Yeah. Um, and like you just can't overstate how important he is for filmmaking. Anyway, I'm trying to fawn over him because he deserves it. And also because just because he has that place as like the great, like as like the super perfect master filmmaker among normies mm-hmm. you, i guess i have to wait that because there's more normies than film people <laughs> and i have to and say fuck you normies <laughs> and i guess i have to go with overrated but i do think he is somewhat underrated in a lot of interesting ways yeah um and uh i'm excited for his new movie this year fableman's it looks interesting oh, i don't even know anything about that it's about it's, he's doing aroma no or a belfast everyone gets aroma <laughs> you get aroma i get aroma he's it's like about himself growing up and yeah, like yeah. movies and stuff yeah his parents got divorced or something. Yeah, something that like, like that. a big part of his life. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like what all. That's why it's all he all these uh, daddy issues in all his movies mm-hmm. is apparently a big thing. Yeah. There's like a HBO did a documentary about him that kind of kind of covered it. Apparently, it's not like it, it's not like he had like a super like crazy fascinating life, but it is interesting to dig into him. in the context of his movies. Yeah, yeah. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is uh, a single unbroken. T- how long can you shoot a scene without cutting away? We got into a little debate about the difference between oneers, tracking shots, dolly shots, long and take. long takes. We're talking about the same thing. We don't agree about the nomenclature, but we're just going to describe <laughs> it's a scene where the camera doesn't cut away for a long time. Think yes, about like Russian arc. Yeah, say uh, you know that one true detective scene where they do that. Children of Men has a lot of uh, these things. Like, Children of Men has the one very famous one. That's yeah, very well, good. two. There's the one in the car and the one at the end of the movie. Oh, uh, the car is also one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is funny. That's one more. What I anyway. The no. car one's not a tracking shot. No, okay. Because that's one I often think of. That's one I often think of as like a as a oneer. Because I because there's a really good um, every tra- every frame of painting mm. uh, video about the Spielberg oneers. Yeah. Like how his he does a lot of these very sneaky oneers because they'll be scenes that just go on for a long time without a cut, but they're not like. You not know, showy. Yeah, they're not like atonement where they're like going through all of like Dunkirk Beach in like one unbroken take. It's just sort of like a scene that just hasn't cut for a while. And there's a lot of like complex blocking going on. Yeah. Um, so that's always what I, I do is one. Anyway, we're talking about long unbroken takes. <laughs> Think about your 1917, even though obviously that's like 40 million takes stitched together in a very interesting way. Yeah. Your Birdman. Or like seven or something. It's actually still not a lot. It's in, still very impressive. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. That's yeah. not a, yeah. But I mean. Which gets into why I think they're overrated. Yeah. So now it's just going. So I think uh, tracking shots are you have to call them overrated at this point. Yeah, I think it's because it is a very showy, technically like difficult to do uh, camera trick or yes. camera not a camera trick, but like a you know filmmaking technique technique. Yeah, and I think because it's hard to do, people get really into it and they're very impressed by it. Sometimes, regardless of what the actual content of the scene is, and mm-hmm. the content of the scene always matters more. And using the technique. The camera technique should add to the content of the scene. Exactly. It, I think ultimately the issue that I often have 
And, and, and I think we're all only talking film people here because the normies, they don't <laughs> know that cameras do things. Yeah. They just think that there's just like three cameras on. They just think there's one camera on set and just films everything. <laughs> <laughs> they just set it wide and the actors just figure it out as they go along. I mean, shit, until I started really paying attention to it, like a lot of the um, the amount of times that a camera cuts within a scene is like pretty invisible yeah. to the layperson. Yeah, it should Even be. to me as a person who like, I like movies a lot, but I often don't care as much about like visual storytelling because I'm more of a writing guy. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't really until I was like dealing with like helping with making a shot list on set that I was like, oh, fuck, we're like <laughs> cutting every like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's some, there's some, something's going down on my street. There's like a siren. Yeah, there's like a car alarm going on. I think we just power on through. I think it's, I don't, they probably can't hear it. These microphones don't pick up on. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll just talk louder. Yeah. So that they only hear us. Uh, but you're right. Okay. So because there's only a thing film people, they have to be overrated because I think especially, I feel like True Detective is sort of a flashpoint to this. When episode four ends with that huge like four minute tracking shot of them like escaping like the Nazi base or whatever. Wait. True Detective season one, episode four ends with a big tracking shot. You Are can look you it up. The Nazi base. There's like they're like they're like a gang. They're like a fucking. Oh yeah, okay, I remember that was a good one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh man, that was rad. Wow, what a time. Right. What a time to feel. Okay, sorry. Yeah, and and to be fair, I think there are a lot of really good uh, long <laughs> Dude, takes. I was getting tripped up because you said Nazis instead of neo Nazis or like skinheads. Oh, because <laughs> it, it's like in a trailer park. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like, when were they in like a bunker? <laughs> right. Oh, you're thinking like actual 1940s like Phase One Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're, we're past that. That didn't happen in True Detective. I know. <laughs> um. And look, the bottom line is editing is film, and it's not like the thing with the least cuts is the more pure film or better action. It's yeah. just these long takes are often really exciting, interesting ways to tell certain story. In Children of Men, mm -hmm. there's that really long take of him crawling through the rubble of the war zone. That's yeah. an incredible way of using yes. uh, a long take. Same part, Ryan, as well. Uh, is there a long take in Same part, Ryan? Mm, wait. I don't know. There's, I a, there's like 400,000 million cuts in Same Yeah, Ryan. it's funny. I'm using... I'm, I'm like, just looked at a list and it has Saving Private Ryan on there, but it might be just wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, Saving Private Ryan <laughs> does not have a oneer. I'm watching the clip that they are using as an example, and there's like 50,000 cuts. It's all handheld. It's not tracking. <laughs> By any it's, metric. It is, it is not a tracking shot in either definition. <laughs> um It is often frustrating to see film nerds online get frustrated by cuts. Like, I remember I saw yeah. something that was like, it was like a breakdown of, it was like a, a very bad uh, video essay. It was breaking down like a Marvel action scene. It's like, look, it took them seven cuts to show this guy kicking someone. I'm like, maybe they could have used more. Maybe they could use, like, it depends on the kick. Depends what they're oh, trying to do. I've never seen that. That's a weird take. Yeah. It's like people being like, if you use, like, all things should be done in as few cuts as possible. I'm like, no, it, everything should be done in a way that serves the movie. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine a Wes Anderson movie with, like, a lot of, like, crazy oneers in it like he does yeah. very smart editing in them or a paul greengrass movie that dude edits a ton yeah and like the other any like other inverse to that i mean i just kind of related to that is like when people are like oh 1917 wasn't actually as good as you think it is because like they hide these cuts in it right i'm like that's that what why is that a bad thing <sighs> that was the worst fucking take it's the dumbest take whenever it's like it was all done they were in... cheating everybody said they think that they're cheating i'm like 
it's a movie. You can't be cheating. You are arguing against the dumbest straw man. Like no one is arguing that they filmed all of 1917 <laughs> in one unbroken. There was a great, I think it was like an onion article that was just like, it was like, like Benedict Cumberbatch getting increasingly frustrated and how they have to reset the movie every time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he only shows up at the end. So he's right. just like, yeah, I've just been sitting here for months <laughs> waiting for them to get to me. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so yeah, a track, one or track shot long takes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. They're, so, they're technically impressive and I even with they I don't think they serve the movie I always I do kind of enjoy them as like high wire acts mm-hmm. um, but the shorthand of them as good filmmaking is bad technically impressive filmmaking is not always good filmmaking yep it has to serve the story and then the emotions and the themes uh, and but it often does the great ones do yeah children of men great one uh, funny enough the um the the the, the one true detective is really good I don't mm-hmm. know if it's like hundred percent necessary, but it is thrilling and interesting. Yeah. And that is just an action scene at its core. I think part of it's like kind of going in and out of the buildings is really dynamic. It's because yeah. it's like in this kind of trailer park yes. setting. So actually the being a Warner kind of serves to get the sense of space. Yeah. All right. That is very good. Yeah. Um my, one of my favorite ones is um The Player, a movie I know you don't like as much as me, but the, the opening scene of the player is them kind of flying around the studio, studio in right. one unbroken take. It's like the 15 minutes or something. That's cool, yeah. And then one of the and they keep hopping in and out of different conversations and they're coming back to them. And one of them is two people walking around talking about their favorite tracking shots. That's really funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess overrated, but there are good ones. And um that's our that's our take on yeah. <laughs> it's the same take we've had on everything. <laughs> Pretty well, no, I mean I I can't well. I just, you know, it's tough. Overrated is often shorthand for bad. And there's nothing on this list I think is bad. Yeah, that's true. Um, but tracking shots, wonders, long takes, overrated mm-hmm. uh, because of bros. 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 Uh, last one. Well, we got some type. This one I'm interested because you suggested this one. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your take. Score. Oh, I don't like score. Like you're talking, <laughs> those are home scores and the soundtrack, the music to a film, not like the I prefer, songs. I like, prefer scenes that don't have. I like needle drops. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer scenes that don't have score. I, I mean, obviously, like you, any technique can be used, good and bad. But often, I get like kind of irritated when like a scene is happening and it's used as like a like emo in a shortcut to have an emotional moment by just like the sweeping strings tell you to be sad. Now I'm like, I know to be sad. A sad <laughs> thing's happening. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Man, I'm going with underrated. 100%. Like it, it's not until you really you see like a, a scene that had music without it. like like watching okay. like uh, uh dailies from a from a uh, yes. project you're working on and you're like, "Oh, this like doesn't play." And then you like see it with music and you're like, "Oh, I, shit, this plays so hard." But I also think that's kind of like a false equivalency because seeing it's like seeing like a color movie has been converted to black and white. Yeah. Uh it's going to look wrong. If you see a scene that's like mixed for to have a score in it and then you just take out the score, it's just going to be a lot of dead space. But yeah. if it were mixed to not have a score, they would have like other they would have like kind of like diegetic noise happening. It would right, be yeah, like car alarms. Yeah, just car alarms <laughs> everywhere. It would be less jarring cuz like when you see a scene where the score has been taken out, everything's mixed super quiet, so it's just like like dead silence and it's weird. But there are, if you watch a movie that was, you know, edited to not have a score, you don't miss it. Maybe. I mean, there's definitely movies that don't need scores. Yeah. That are just don't have, like, like uh, um, Sidney Lumet, uh, someone famously in the 70s did like three movies in a row that basically, had no, like Serpico, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, and Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Serpico, like the studio, like in the contract was like, you have to put in this many minutes. So and yeah. he was like furious. He's like, this movie does not need a se- like a second of it. So he just put it in the opening credits, ending credits, and then like a little bit in the middle, just sort of randomly. Nice. <laughs> um, and then so he eventually fought and 
Dog Day Afternoon, I believe, and Network will have zero score. Yeah. Or if they do, it's like incredibly minimal, just in certain points. Yeah. And, and like, those movies don't need it. De- those movies are just like fucking dudes yelling at each other. Yeah. And you know what? Most TV doesn't have a score. Um, yeah. it depends. I think it's often very like quiet or like very like uh, like you don't pick up on like the little things, like yeah. the little kind of yeah like, scene setting stuff. Um, you know, or like like, like Yellow Jackets, it doesn't have like a. You know, big sweeping swing, swings, strings, swings. big stringing sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of like little like, you know, ooh, things are a little stressful, a little bit of dread, a little bit of boom, 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 yeah. you know, little stuff like that. Um, so now I'm trying to think of it because I always like scores like a thing that I just kind of like edit out in my mind. Uh, well, does Mad Men have much score? Yeah, I think so. Does it? Well, it has a lot of needle drops, obviously. Yeah, it has a lot of that. But, but it does I, have does a score. It, does it have a score? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe so, because there's a lot of like, a score often like editing or wonders, as we are talking about. Uh, there are obviously some that are very apparent. If it's done well, it's like invisible, right? Yeah, there's a lot of invisible score in, in movies that kind of like brings it all together. Especially TV, where it's just, where you know they're doing a million episodes and it's just kind of like repetitive. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and you kind of go back to similar themes. So I get Cooper with the hot take. Music and films overrated. Yep. Yeah. Because funny enough, I would go needle drops overrated. I think uh, Interesting. I think they can be used really well. But if you're just using them as just sort of a like, hey, remember the song? Well, that was like Cruella. Because you were like, Cruella's good because it has like a bunch of needle drops. Not my take. Not yeah, my that take. That was your take. No, no. My, like, no. If you bought the soundtrack for this, you would have a bunch of good music. I'm like, no, you could I, just buy like no, music. I didn't think the movie was good because it did the needle drops. I thought the songs were good. Okay, but you, I was like, Cruella's bad. You're like, but it has a lot of good songs. I'm like, those are good songs. It doesn't make Cruella good. I agree. I I don't. I didn't really like Cruella. I just thought it had good songs in it, and I liked <laughs> listening to those songs. And if you bought the soundtrack, I would be like, wow, what a great list of songs that I enjoy. <laughs> this is a very is not a defense of that movie. I know. I, I'm not defending the movie. You are. Stop trying to make. It. Stop trying to paint me in a corner. <laughs> I just think it had good songs. Yes, it did because it also. Oh, okay, actually, no. This is the other take. I was just like, it it has good songs, but it doesn't have like interesting song selection. They just did like the best of you know the seventies or whatever. Yeah, which is good songs. Yes, they're good songs, but it's like not good. Um, oh fuck! What what's the job of the person who picks the songs? Oh, uh, fucking sound supervisor. Sound yeah, music supervisor. Music it's supervisor, like yeah. not good. I mean. It's not like it's not bad music supervising, but it's not creative music supervising. Just, no. just like do like now that's what I call the seventies and then put in your fucking movie. Yeah, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying <laughs> now that's what I call the seventies is fucking banger after banger after banger. It is. <laughs> the seventies were a good decade. For music. For music. <laughs> for everything else, no. Maybe. I don't know. Vietnam wasn't great. Yeah, but that was like the beginning of the seventies. <laughs> we were out of there by like the early 70s-ish. <laughs> I think we left in like 73, something like that. Maybe. But then there was Watergate. That's bad. There's a lot of other shit that happens. Oil that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Overrated, underrated. The, the 70s. 70s. Good movies. Yeah. Great yeah. movie. Like great art, but there's great art in response to how shitty everything else was. Right. Uh, yeah. Music. I, underrated. Soundtrack. Overrated. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right. We, 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 look, we've got a million things on the list. <laughs> Pick one. Pick one let's talk about heat <laughs> michael mann's fuck heat. yeah <laughs> best movie ever made see that's why i'm going with overrated i mean i don't know how do you rate heat when it's just three it's and like rating ha- air three and a half hours of just pure bliss and weird ponytails 
I mean, that's got to be a ding against it, the weird ponytails. No. No? Do you like weird ponytails? Is there weird more than one weird ponytail? It's just Val Kilmer. I don't know. I'm going off what you said. <laughs> I think it is just the one. <laughs> I mean, if, if you told me, like, there were other, like, like, because there's a like, lot of characters. Like maybe Wingrow has a ponytail. I was going to say, it. there's like a lot of, it's like a very sprawling movie with a lot of plot lines. Oh, wait, does Wingrow have a ponytail? Fuck okay, yeah. Look, oh, look it up. Wingrow. Okay, first question. How do you spell Wingrow? How you think without the W. Oh, he has like long hair. Yeah. He could put in a ponytail. If he wanted. But he didn't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Heat uh, is, Michael Mann's Heat, it, you know. You got you got Robert De Niro versus Al Pacino. I mean, two of the best action sequences. Okay, no, we're not going to say the best because that's like I, I was just bitching earlier about how it's like inherently flawed to call something the best. Two yeah. very, very, very well made action sequences. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, in the pantheon. Yes. Yes. Uh, the opening, the armored truck heist and the bank heist. Mm-hmm. Uh, very influential in that they you know made the Dark Knight. Uh, and the movie itself is also just like super fun. It's yeah. very long. But it's a very good movie. Yeah, uh, I, I like it a lot. It, I, 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 I just think it's overrated. I, yeah. don't, I, I just think people talk about it like it's the best movie of the '90s, and I don't think it's the best movie of the '90s. I wouldn't call it Michael Mann's best movie. Even I think it's oh, it's like too weird and specific to be the best movie of the '90s. <laughs> and uh, side note, if you're like just start dating someone, don't watch Heat with them. That is a bad idea. <laughs> Three and a half hours, violence, mean, dirty, yeah. odd. 90, yeah, <laughs> weird 90s Michael Mann. <laughs> Specifically kind of a guy movie. Very much a guy movie. Yeah, just a movie about men like loving and hating each other. <laughs> no, it's great. Look, the, the bank robbery scene is incredible for a reason. Uh, the opening heist is also incredible like mm-hmm. michael mann is an ex- one of the great film talents as, yeah. as much as his films are very often very strange these days yeah long uh, and weird long and weird um he's fucking great not overrated it's just anything movie that is like that revered is got to be overrated unless i and, and, and unless it's something i do respond to that strongly which i i don't i just it's a movie i think is fucking great yeah but now it's this funny thing where it's like i think because it's kind of old but not in like the pantheon of like I don't know, great films quote. It's kind of like a weird 90s like piece of trivia. Yeah. Like, and I feel like it's just like not known by young people now. Maybe, Maybe not. It's I, hard to tell what the young people know about or don't. I don't know. Yeah. What I guess do they I, watch? There's no point in speculating. Do they watch I things? Have, I don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe the safest the safest part that thing that we can admit as we get older is that we just fundamentally don't know what's going on with young people. <laughs> Maybe they don't know about like Robert De Niro. I don't even know if I hate him because I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> they just just ticking their talks. Which yeah, I, I hope they keep doing because we have a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch our TikToks. They're not great, but we got them. Yep. Yeah. I think they're good. Oh, thank you. Movie clips. Yeah. Thoughts. Movie clips. Good. Good stuff. And us talking. Also good stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to us now, you might as well listen to us for two seconds of, of stuff you've already heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I think. Think we're good to wrap up? Anything else we want to talk about? Yeah, it's been an hour and a yeah, half. I cool. think we're fine. Let's fucking do it. Okay, we can always get back to these later if we want. Recommendations, Cooper. I mean, cold take. I watched Hellraiser the other day. Hellraiser rules. The it's original? great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, for, I, I forgot there was a new one. Have you seen the new one? No, it's supposed to be very good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So the old one, I, I will say, uh, not perfect writing, but yeah. it's like solidly made like horror movie and then just like some really great powerhouse effects that are just rad. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do because I. Said I would do it, and I want to be man of my word. L.A. Eater, the oh, website yeah. that recommends restaurants. Eater L.A. is a great place to find date spots. Yeah, 
Or just, you know, or look, eat. Look at pictures of food <laughs> that you're never going to be able to afford. Also that. Yeah. Uh, Cooper, what should the people do at home? Rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. HBLB Podcast for both. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks Good for listening. Tell your friends. Bye forever. Bye forever.